Hello and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I'm your host, Lenaria Gaia, and here we talk all things body image, self-esteem, your thinking in your mind. How do you connect true to you in every part of who you are? I want you to know that all of you is welcome. So sit back and relax and listen to today's episode. Sending you love. Hello and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Lenaria Gaia, and here we talk all things confidence. What does it take to believe in yourself? What does it take to raise children who believe in themselves? Our teenagers, what does it take for us to grow into competent, confident, and killing it kind of adults? That's the reality here. Welcome to episode number 126. This is something that you might actually not know about me. I don't talk about it a lot. It's part of my history that I've never really shared, not for any reason of shame or doubt or anything like that, just simply because it hasn't been relevant until now. Because on today's episode, we're going to look at failure. What conjures up for you when you hear the word failure or failing? What's it like for you? Does it make you feel small? Does it make you feel limited? Does it make you get angry? Do you want to go ahead and charge? Do you want to sit there and go, no, I'm going to get back up like a gladiator. You will not keep me down. What does failure do for you when you hear that? More importantly, what does failure do to you when you experience it? Because we all do, right? We will all experience failure at some point in our life. And in fact, in today's podcast episode, I'm going to share with you why I believe that you need to fail more. Oh, I know, right? What does she even mean by that? Why should we fail more? I remember a long time ago, my first kind of coach training, I'm talking, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, something like that. And up until that point in my life, I had a pretty shitty relationship with failure. You know, I thought that if I failed, it made me a failure. And in my household, my dad very much grew up. Well, I grew up with my dad. My very much, my dad very much taught me that if I can't do something right away, I couldn't do it. Not because he said it, but through his actions. In fact, even more recently in the last week or so, something similar kind of happened. We were having a conversation about music and how he'd really like to play the harmonica and says to me, oh, I've tried. Oh my God, I've tried to play the harmonica. I just can't. And when I dug a little bit deeper, how many times have you tried? Oh, you know, at least a couple of hours on a couple of occasions. It's not enough. It's not enough failure in order to be successful. And what my coach trainer taught me back in the day in my early newbie days as a coach is that failure is part of the recipe for success. And I didn't know that, that in order to succeed, you have to fail. I honestly, genuinely, and maybe you're the same, I did not know that failure was part of success. You know, when we look out into the world and we see successful people, we see Taylor Swift up on stage or we see a, you know, a movie star, Chris Hemsworth or whoever they happen to be at the peak of their game. We have this idea that they are successful, right? But we don't see how many failed auditions they have. 
We don't see how much they sucked as a singer in the early days. We don't see how many hours and hours and hours they sat there rehearsing their lines, learning their craft and sucking at it before they got to the point of their success right now. And even now, if they were to try something new, if they were to move in a different direction of their art, they're probably going to suck at that initially as well. Failure is part of success. It's a crucial part of success. I saw a t-shirt at a concert just the other day and I loved it. It obviously stuck with me because I think it'll stick with me. One of those things that just stick with me for the rest of my life. And I hope that it sticks with you too. It had one, two, three, four written on his chest. Number one, experiment. Number two, fail. Number three, learn. Number four, repeat. Experiment, fail, learn, repeat. Experiment, fail, learn, repeat. It's the failure that teaches us. It teaches us far more than success ever will. In fact, success is actually a pretty poor teacher. You are somebody who just knows how to do something. You say, how do you do it? They're going to find a difficult time teaching you how to do that. Because they haven't failed their way through it. When you learn all of the ways that you can't do something, when you finally learn how to do it, you are so well equipped. You are so well skilled. And you build such a level of confidence within your ability, in who you are, not only what you can do, but in who you are, that you become unstoppable. Because you think, well, the only thing that I have to do in order to succeed is to fail. I just need to go ahead and fail more. In the sales world, back in my early days, I used to sell karate door to door. That's not the story I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share you the different one in a moment. I used to sell karate door to door. Sounds random. How do you do that? I would cruise around in a gi, you know, the outfit, the, the, the white outfit that you wear as a karate person. And I would cruise around and I would knock on doors and talk to them about getting their kids involved in karate. And I would make appointments and I'd go back and then see if I can sell the memberships. And I remember back in those days, I must've only been 21 and I would listen. I would spend a lot of time driving and I would listen to different CDs, Brian Tracy and the psychology of selling. And what I learned in those early days is that it takes 99 no's to get one yes. Just one, 99 no's. Think about it for yourself. How many no's are you prepared to take? How many setbacks? How many failures? What's your give up point? Are you giving up at one no, one failure? Maybe it's a little bit higher than that. Is it three? If you were wanting to write a book and you got knocked back from five publishers, would you think that it was done? Or would you go to five more? Would you go to 10 more? I don't know the exact exact stats on this, but Colonel Sanders reportedly, he's the guy who's KFC, reportedly tried to sell his recipe for like 300 times. He got like 300 no's, somewhere in the realm of that before anybody even gave him a second glance and he was in his 60s. Now everybody knows who KFC is. Everybody in the damn world knows what KFC is, for better or for worse. 
Why? Because he continued to fail. He failed his way to success. He kept getting no's. And when you really want something, you're going to have to show the universe how much you want it. By getting back up again, by standing for what you believe in, by going after the things that you want on repeat. Because time's going to pass anyway, my friends, isn't it? How fast has the last 10 years gone for you? It's 2023 now. Those of you listening in the future, hello from the past. (laughs) But in 2013, where were you? What were you doing? How much has life changed? Maybe little, maybe a lot. Certainly the world has changed pretty dramatically in that period of time. But if every single person gave up on their first or fifth or tenth attempt at things in the world, we wouldn't have electricity. Again, Thomas Edison famously said that it took him about a thousand goes to figure out electricity. And he goes, you know, when people talk about how did you deal with that much failure? He goes, I didn't fail. I just found 999 ways how to not do it. If we can change our attitude, our experience and our relationship to failure, then our relationship to success changes as well. Because we don't see the setbacks as setbacks. We don't see the obstacles as dead ends. We see them as another run on the board, taking you one step closer to success. It can get us down. We get disappointed. We feel the heartbreak. It's not to say that we don't notice when we fail or it doesn't suck and there isn't disappointment. But that's part of the deal. It's part of life. You know, I'll often have clients talk to me about about feeling the negative emotions. I don't want to feel those negative emotions. Reasonably, we don't want to feel doubt. We don't want to feel failure. We don't want to feel rejection or disappointment or hurt or pain or suffering. Sure, we don't. But without them, we are sociopaths. If we don't have emotions, we are considered a psychopath. So I just want to remind you of that. It's okay to have the feelings. It's okay that they get you down. It's okay that you might not want to get back up again straight away. Feel the hurt, feel the pain, feel the rejection, feel the disappointment and use it as fuel to do differently. Use it as fuel to get back up and go again. Big Brother is around, right? We know that TV show, it's fairly current. I don't know if it's true across the entire world that it's current, but Big Brothers make a bit of a resurgence here in Australia. But back when it was the OG, you know, the original, like I'm talking 2005, reality TV shows weren't really a thing 15, 18 years ago. Is that how long it is? I'm looking at the date going, yeah, it is that long ago. 15 years ago, reality TV wasn't really a thing, not in the way that we see it now. And Big Brother was the hottest show in town. For those Australians, you know, the hottest show in town. It produced a whole bunch of the stars that we have in our society now, as well as like Australian Idol did the same thing. If you could sing and you went on Australian Idol, 
some of our biggest stars that have had long careers have come from those platforms. These days, not so much. You be, you know, you can if you want to make it. But in those days, it was much easier for you to become a quite a significantly known celebrity. Now, back in those days for myself as well, I was a performer. And I don't mean in the sense that I stood on stage and do what I do now or I was in a band. What I mean is that I pleased, performed and needed to be perfect. I wanted everybody to like me and I wanted to gain status. And if I could just gain status, if I could become famous, then I thought that I would then be enough. It's the same reason why I lost and put on weight. It's this, well, not put on, but certainly lost. Same reason why I lost weight. Same reason why I would be promiscuous was all because I was chasing enoughness. Who can relate to chasing enoughness? It might be through money. It might be through career. It might be through your body. It might be through relationships. Whatever it is for you, you're chasing enoughness. The whole premise of that is if I can just get that thing over there, then I will prove my worth. I will prove my value. I'll prove that I am enough. And also I'm a bit of a sucker. This is still true to this day. When I say a bit of a sucker, I'm a total sucker for experiences. I love experiences. I love seeing how I will be and how I will react in certain situations. So combining this need for maybe a bit of external, a lot of external validation, low self-esteem at the time, lucky in self-confidence, although my bravado was really strong, I looked very confident on the outside. Couple that with my desire to experiment. If we come back to those four things, experiment, fail, learn, repeat. I loved experimenting. I have had hair like you wouldn't believe. If you go to my mum's house and see the the gallery that she has of her children, you will see me as a, with a short blonde pixie cut. You will see me with a mohawk, a shaved head, an undercut. You will see me with long brown hair. Brown hair. You will see me with blonde pixie cut. You will see me with braids. You will see me with black hair with a harsh fringe and flicked up at the end with blue tips all sorts of different kind of hairstyles. Piercings all over my face sometimes, sometimes not. I love to express myself in different ways, particularly through experiences. I'm always one to be like, I wonder what that would be like. Part of the reason, if you don't know my story, is, is why I was a surrogate a couple of years ago. I um, had a baby for some friends of mine. I always wanted to know what pregnancy was like. I wonder what having a baby would be like. It seems a little extreme, but you're getting a bit of an understanding about who I am and how I operate. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So back in those days with that low self-esteem, Big Brother being something that was very prominent in Australian television at the time and across the globe. And I want to experiment. I want to find out. I want to go see what that would be like. You can see where this is going, right? So I think in about 2005, 2006, one of the earlier seasons, it must have only been maybe season three, something along those lines, a couple of friends of mine and I decided, let's go audition for Big Brother. That'll be fun. Let's go do that. And so we drove the three hours to Sydney, woke up early in the morning, and you go and stand in this really long line. It's known as a cattle call. And you would have seen that on Australian Idol, big, long lines of people who just, you know, they pump them through like cattle. It's a cattle call. And we wait in line for hours and hours and hours in order to get our turn. And we kind of go into this massive room, almost like a warehouse. I'm just trying to put my mind back there. It's almost like a big 
warehouse. I suppose maybe a big studio, massive room, stadium even. And we're all kind of split and I'm there with my friends and I'm only, what, maybe 22, 23 at the time. There with my friends and we're all trying to be the biggest, bestest personalities that we possibly can be. That's what everybody's doing. And the first round happens there and I get selected to go through the second round. My friends didn't, right? They, I was like, okay, cool. I'll see you on the other side. And I got, I got into the second round. Same day, you just go into a smaller room with less people and the producers are there asking you questions and whatnot. And we go through that. I'm again doing my best to please perform perfect, get them to like me, get them to like me, get them to like me. And at the end of that day, at the end of that round, they said, okay, cool. If I read your name out, please go through that door. You're on to the next round. If not, thank you very much for coming. And I waited and I waited and I waited and they did not call my name. And honestly, at the time I was gutted. I was like, what? But I thought this was my chance, as if you wouldn't want me to be on your show. I walked away from that experience and I walked out to my friends and I'd obviously made one round further than they had made and that was all very exciting. And they wanted to know what happened and we drove all the way back to Canberra, the three-hour drive back to Canberra and, and as we did, in, well, certainly as I did in those days, went back to the bar and got wastefully drunk on a Sunday afternoon. 12 months later, you know, I watched that season of Big Brother like I did. I was obsessed by it and there wasn't much energy in it with my friends. They didn't really care. They weren't, you know, it wasn't something that they wanted. But the rejection, the failure, the fact that I didn't fight for my place stuck with me. It sat in me. It always festered away in me that I didn't speak up, that I didn't play as hard as what I really could have. And so 12 months later of this failure in my being, percolating, you could say, I took myself, I didn't tell anybody, apart from maybe my, my folks, didn't tell anybody that I was going. I just took myself off to another round of the cattle call with a different strategy in mind. I'm like, I am not leaving today unless I know that I've given it my all. Because I knew for myself that I hadn't given it my all last time. I didn't fight for it. And I knew that I had to, you know, I experimented, I failed, I learned. Now I'm going to go repeat. Now I'm going to go see with my new skills, with my new vigor, with my enthusiasm to not make the same mistake again. I'm going to go back and implement all of those things. And I did. Even when, as I arrived in my little shitbox car that I would have had in my early 20s, a kilometre out of the location, you know, I'd driven three hours, the kilometre away from the location, my car overheated, broke down on the side of the road. I called my mom and she's like, look, how far are you away? What's the deal? I'm like, look, if I don't go to the auditions now, I'm going to miss it. She's like, leave the car where it is get a taxi or walk and show up to the audition. I was like, okay, good advice. The car can wait, right? The car can wait. It can, it, me sitting there by the side of the road for the next eight hours, is this going to miss the opportunity to do the audition? 
which I'm going to have to do later anyway to fix the car. So I may as well just go to the audition, which is exactly what happened. And I'm, again, I waited in line and again, I got through the first round. And again, I'm in the same room that I was 12 months earlier sitting there. And again, if you, if you, if your name calls, go through into that room, you have gone through the next round. If your name is not called, thank you very much for coming. You can leave. And again, my name does not get called. And I have this sliding doors moment. What do I do? Do I walk out that door that they have so told me because my name wasn't on the list and disappoint myself again? Or do I fight and see what happens? Because I'd walked out that door already once before and I knew what happens on the other side of that door, but I didn't know what was going to happen if I fought for it. And it took a lot of courage, took a lot of strength, but that failure was fuel for me. I didn't want to go back disappointed in myself again. I knew that irrelevant of the outcome, irrelevant of whether or not they take me through or they don't, I need to know that I fought for it. I need to know, I needed to know that I did what it took in order to make it happen. And if life, circumstances, other people decided that that wasn't for me on that particular day, but I had fought for it, then I could go home proud of myself. That's why failure is so important. Because when we do fail and we go back for retribution, it is so, so sweet. And I went straight up to the producer person, whoever was holding the clipboard. And I said, I think you've made a mistake. And they said, what's your name? And I told them. And they go, no, no, you're not on the list. And I said, I need to be on this show. You need me on this show. She said, why? And I can't exactly remember what I told her at that time. There's not even a whisper of it. But whatever I told her at that time was enough for her to put me through to the next round. And the next round. And the next round. And the next round. And the next round. For the next nine months, my life was consumed by auditions. I had to go back and back and forth to Sydney on a regular basis. I had to do probably about four or five different psych tests to see my compatibility. I was in rooms whereby they would put us all together and put us in conflict situations and see what happened. Different combinations. We had producers watching us. It was like a, it was like a zoo. People would watch us. There would be psychologists and, and producers walking around us to see how we're interacting in certain different environments. You know, we went from tens of thousands of people applying, eventually kind of getting down to like, cool, there's only a couple of hundred people here. Everyone's been fly, everyone ha has to fly into Sydney. So from all over the world and out all over Australia, rather, they're flying into Sydney. I was driving, my car got fixed. Tests, psycho tests. Physical tests. I had to under, undergo physical tests to make sure that I was physically up for the challenge of going in Big Brother. All finally to the point where I got a call up and said, we need you to come in and do the promo shots. So you may have noticed in any of those shows, they did a little promo where you explain who you, who you are. Hi, I'm Luna. I'm 23. I'm from Canberra and blah, 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 blah. And so I go and I film all these shots. I had to jump. I had to dance so that when they produced the show, 
you would see me doing all the dancing and see my shorts and all that kind of stuff. I filmed all of those things. And then again, I got a call back to sign contracts. I had to sign contracts to say that I could be sent into the Big Brother house at 24 hours notice. For the next three months at 24 hours notice, I could be sent. They told me to advise my workplace I wasn't allowed to tell anybody except for my workplace that potentially actually I'm not even sure that's true I don't think I was allowed to tell anybody complete non-disclosure statement I wasn't allowed to tell anybody I could be taken into the house in a drop of a hat and that I was contractually obliged to stay in the country until the show finished (laughs) scribble do you remember me from big brother If you trace your thoughts back to 2007, Big Brother in 2007, do you remember someone like me? Do you remember? My name was Katie at the time. Do you remember a Katie on Big Brother in 2007? No, you don't. Because I didn't get in. (laughs) I went that whole way from that fateful moment where I fought where I fought to get through that next round's door, I went the whole way. 28 people went at some point, including intruders, went into that house that year. I was number 30. (laughs) And as a result of me painfully watching Big Brother for that season, never knowing that I may at any point in time, because they could, I could be an intruder. They could have called me up. I was on standby to go into the house. That's how close I came to achieving that goal. It wasn't up to me by that point. I'd done everything that I possibly could. I'd gotten through every single round. I did everything that I could. But the result of me actually getting in the house wasn't up to me. Three months later, the show is ended. I did not go on Big Brother. And instead, I went overseas. And for the next two years, I spent my life traveling and working through Europe, going to about 28 different countries. And my life has continued on from there. I found who I was. I'd gained confidence in myself. I became sober while I was overseas. I discovered who I was in a way. I also picked up some bad things like an eating disorder along the way as well. It wasn't all peaches and roses. But I found parts of me that I would never have found. Who knows if I had been on Big Brother. It wasn't in the plan, the universe's plan. Now, I could arguably say, I really want to go and be brother. I'm going to try again next year and try again next year and try again next year. I could have. But by the time I had reached that point where I didn't get on to big brother, I was pretty much okay. I feel like I had achieved what I had set out to achieve. Yes, I didn't get on the show. But going overseas and traveling the world and then coming back two years later and moving to a whole different city, moving to Melbourne and living there for the next 10 years, just changed my trajectory. Had I not failed in the first place, that joy of getting to that point, not the point of I'm about to go on the show or I could be about to go on the show, not that point, but that point where I failed last time and didn't dig deep. I don't know what the outcome would have been. It could have very well been that I dug deep and still got rejected. But either way, Either way, I would have known that I'd done it, that I'd learned, that I had pushed through that failure into success. 
Because success, my friends, isn't necessarily the outcome. It's who you become in the journey. It's who you become in the process. Big Brother wasn't for me. But in a lot of ways it was because that journey that I have and the story that I have to tell you now that then propelled me into the kind of work that I'm doing. I spent two years overseas. I came back. I lived in Melbourne. And then I started coaching. Maybe that wouldn't have happened had I been on Big Brother. We can't ever know those sliding door moments. But with each failure, if you really want it, if it means so much to you, keep going. The failures are, is not permanent. Failure is not permanent. The failures are the thing that gives us fuel. It gives us more purpose. It tells us that we really want it. Sometimes you're going to get failures and realize, I don't really want this. It's not worth this. I don't want to go through this hard rate, heartache in order to get that. That's cool. Don't. <laughs> Again, you'll learn. Experiment, learn. Sorry, experiment, fail, learn, repeat. No matter what, failure is a fantastic teacher. So what I really encourage you to do and what I want to leave you with on today's episode are these four things when it comes to changing your relationship with failure. Number one, get uncomfortable more often. That moment where I took a big deep breath and went and spoke to the producer and said, you've got it wrong, I should be on that list, that was uncomfortable. <coughs> Excuse me. I was uncomfortable. I didn't want to do it, but it was necessary. Be okay with getting uncomfortable. Number two is know that at some point you're going to fail. Uh, that's okay. It's part of the process. If you get a fail, excellent. You're moving in the right direction. You know that you are. It's leading you to where you got to go. Even if the outcome along the way changes for you, it is still leading you to a better place. Experiment, fail, learn, repeat. Number three, failure is not final. It is not final. It's just, the, it's just the starting ground. Every single person who's ever been successful in anything in their life has failed a hell of a lot more than you've even dared to consider. And the final one here, number four, pick yourself up and go again. Get uncomfortable. Realize that you're going to fail at some point. Remember that failure is not final. And when you do fail, get up and go again. Get up and go again. Because my friends, repetition is the mother of skill. The only way that you learn how to get better is by doing it more frequently. And so if you're afraid every single time and you won't even get uncomfortable and you won't even risk failure, then you're never going to risk success. Get uncomfortable, fail more frequently, and your confidence will soar. Because as you do that, knowing full well that it's part of the recipe of success, you will start to believe in yourself. You will find that there's a resilience and a resourcefulness in you that you could never have possibly imagined. And that, my friends, is what I want for you. If you have any questions or queries about anything that we've talked here today on today's episode of the More Confidence with Luna Guy podcast, or do you think you might be a guest or you'd like me to be a guest on your podcast, send me through a message at loveyourself at moreconfidence.com.au. Send me an email. Or you can catch me on the WhatsApp, plus six one four zero three nine eight one five nine seven. 
Or you know what? You can catch me on the so the socials. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. The list goes on. You know where to find me. You can find me somewhere. All else fails. Google my name, Lenaria Gaia. Sending you big love. Hoping that you're loving yourself a little bit more from our conversations. And as always, thanks for listening. If there is somebody that you think would love this, why not share it? And make sure that you hit the subscribe button and the follow button so that you get every episode as they come out weekly. Sending you big love. Thanks for being here. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I hope you feel more confident, more self-assured and ready to go tackle the world's problems and maybe kick ass in some of your dreams. If you haven't already, I would love for you to like and subscribe, follow and maybe leave a review so that other people know how to find this awesome podcast too. If you're wanting to sink your teeth into something even more juicy, my number one best-selling book, Perfectly Imperfect, Your Complete Guide to Loving Yourself and Loving Your Body is now available on all good bookstore sites, both in print, digital, and I narrated it for Audible as well. If you think the coaching or maybe one of my courses is for you, why not head to www.moreconfidence.com.au and get in touch and see if we can talk. And of course, you can find me all across the social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, which is where you're probably listening now. Or maybe even here on the podcast platform. Sending you big love and wishing you a beautiful day.